0: This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Wednesday, March 14th, 2018. I'm Caleb Brown. Was the abolition of slavery a libertarian victory? No one really used the word libertarian at the time, so it's at the very least a difficult claim to measure. But the end of slavery did represent the heart of libertarian thinking, that of self-ownership. Anthony Comegna, assistant editor for intellectual history at libertarianism.org, spoke with me last week. As you understand it, what would it mean for a historical victory, something like the abolition of slavery, for example, to be considered a victory of libertarian thinking? Well, I mean, that
1: is in a way a problematic question, but it's it's the sort of problematic question that intellectual historians always have to deal with because um, when you have a certain Category in mind, you know. Well, we forget that historians really create history, right? It, there, there isn't some ideal of the past uh, out there for you to look at and see exactly what happened, exactly how, and exactly what it means. Um, historians really do uh, that kind of work for us by uh, asking particular questions that interest them from a particular point of view. And then to some extent, we do project that back into the past uh, and use our own current categories and ideas to guide our understanding of past events and make them meaningful to us today.
0: Uh, So we use like a modern word to refer to something that uh, may well have – if that event had occurred in current times, we could clearly say this was a victory of this set of ideas and not that set of ideas, even though the word that we're using was not – common at the time.
1: Yes, and I mean, you, you have to be very careful here because, you know, uh, libertarians, properly speaking, the way that we know them today, really certainly didn't exist before the early modern period. Now, uh, that's itself kind of problematic because you very quickly learn when, when you do serious study of the past that it's an incredibly complex and bizarre place. Um, it's, it's totally foreign to us. Now, you know I say there's, there's not really libertarians before the early modern period, let's say, especially the English Civil War. Uh, during the English Civil Wars, people that look and sound a lot like modern libertarians are sprouting up all over the place. Um, but before that,, you, know, you, you could, in a way <laughs> Murray Rothbard said that libertarians have to hate the state. Right, um, and in a way, uh, before the early modern period, the vast majority of mankind had a deep, everyday hatred for the state that we can only grasp at understanding, uh, because you know the state ground them into dust, generation after generation, forever, and that was just the way things had to be. So people really must have had a deep and abiding hatred for the state even though they tolerated its presence and maybe even had a certain Stockholm syndrome and actually supported the regime from time to time. Um, Most people throughout time, I suspect, have hated the state. Does that make them libertarians? Not really like we understand and use the term today, Uh, but we certainly can see the growth of what became the libertarian movement that we know today, as we look back in time and we trace the genealogy of ideas and of, of actual people uh, and their connections to each other. So yes, you know, libertarianism does pre-exist the twentieth century, even though a lot of its critics want to say that it's a creation of. You know, uh, racist backlashes against the civil rights movement, or something like that, uh, couched in in friendly American terms like free trade. Uh, it really is a much deeper rooted set of ideas than that, going back several hundred years at least.
0: Well, let's then differentiate uh, between what would be, what we would consider Enlightenment values of sort of uh, liberty as a universal franchise. And what we think of as, as modern libertarians and how would this – how would – how do we separate those things out at a time uh, like in the 19th century when the, the United States is arguing viciously about uh, something like slavery?
1: Well, uh, I, I'd say first I guess that I think that ideas basically operate as a package in each of our minds. Um, and We gradually tease out the consistencies or inconsistencies in that package and uh, we might have to integrate new ideas from time to time so it all makes sense as we go through our lives but, but basically people hold their ideas as a whole package that are interrelated to each other. Um, And so when we go back as far as the enlightenment, we have to be very, very careful that we don't actually label people like Thomas Jefferson uh, or George Washington for God's sake or something like that as libertarians, Um, even Adam Smith. They're not really libertarians. There are too many things missing from the full package, uh, but we do see the origins of plenty of what we consider fundamentals of our full package, right, uh, in people like Jefferson and uh, Adam Smith, um, but you know, in the 19th century, I think we really have for the first time uh, in America, the origins of the full libertarian package and in, in those days before Benjamin Tucker, who was the first American to really call himself a libertarian um, in the 1870s, I think was the first time he used it, maybe the 80s. Um, before that, they called it loco and it was around since the mid-1830s, um, really since the late 1820s in the workingmen's movement. Um, and Here's the interesting thing. What we call libertarianism today, the full package had its origins in left-leaning movements. Uh, and For the vast majority of libertarianism's history now, it has been a left-leaning movement allied with leftist causes of one kind or another and conservatives have been the uh, <laughs> die-hard enemies of all things libertarian. Uh, perhaps there's been a shift in the last recent decades. Um, but I think that probably only started in the 80s or 90s uh, and I think now we're at another battleground, a testing moment to see you know, what is the libertarian package as we really understand it. Um, and you know, It's important to recognize that this is an ongoing process that we're still defining exactly what these ideas are and how to recognize a libertarian.
0: All right. So what do you say to the people who who argue that uh, libertarianism, um, which is, I guess, for for some people, is just a screen for white supremacy? It is like a patina of, I don't know, legitimacy sort of spread over the ideas of white supremacy. It seems seems, uh, bonkers to me, but what do you think? I think that happens a lot, and all you have to do
1: is actually listen to people and take them at their word for what they say and why they think what they think and what they want to do with their ideas. Uh, you just have to spend some time on the internet or on some you know YouTube radio shows and that kind of thing uh, from self professed libertarians to find that it is actually a huge part of the popular culture around libertarianism today, and that is not libertarians that I like, or that the Cato Institute would find uh, palatable, but people who call themselves libertarians or whose peers identify them as libertarians, they do use the leave me alone laissez faire ideas that we cherish so much uh, to say, "Leave me alone to do the kind of oppression that I want or to give me a bigger chunk of the pie that I think I deserve and I mean you really I agree that it's, it's bonkers but it's bonkers in the sense that it's wrong. It's using a, a venerable tradition of great ideas that empower individuals uh, no matter what you look like or what you decide to do um, that empower them to uh, achieve uh, t- tremendous things. Just look where, where we've come since the libertarian movement has existed. Um, and that's in no small part, by the way, because we did do a lot of work over the years uh, as a political and a cultural movement to tell the government to get out of our way, to let people do better on their own, and then they actually achieved that in a lot of ways, and we forget that so much of the advancement in the last century and a half uh, are is really the result of people doing what they would like to do in a peaceful manner, uh, and it's not about being free so that you can be awful to other people uh, and so that you can talk down to them and treat them as lesser than yourself uh, or that so you can be lord and master over your children in your home castle. You know, um, This is not libertarianism for the purpose of private patriarchy. Uh, that That's not what I think our movement should be about. It's not what it's been about for most of its history, but we really have to recognize that just like in the 19th century when the loco foco abolitionists were, were making libertarianism a full package, free markets and free individuals, no matter what your color or your gender even, um, just like they had... There probably a majority of them really didn't care about the race issue and they didn't care about the interests of of black slaves, Uh, certainly not women. But the Locofocos culturally uh, made space for people like Benjamin Tucker later to to take anti-slavery as a given, a foundational moment in his own libertarianism um, and to expand that to include feminism. And you know that's what libertarianism has been about for most of its history, including more and more people in the, the respect for individualism. Um, but today, we are in a real fight for what it actually means.
0: So you talk about Benjamin Tucker being the first person who had used the word libertarian, but who were some proto-libertarian uh, abolitionists that uh, people would recognize? Uh, well, my f- friend
1: and colleague Phil Magnus likes to call himself a Foxite Whig, because uh, George Fox was one of the leading British liberals in the late uh, late eighteenth century, later in the abolition movement, um, and clearly a, proto- a-, a
0: better abolition movement, I might add. <laughs> yeah, and, right. Uh, More successful, that, successful earlier, and there was no war.
1: Aaron Powell,
0: Yeah. Still unjust because the planters
1: don't deserve a damn thing, but uh, yes, much better than a war that consolidates national power to unprecedented levels, and then abandons the freed slaves um, to the private uh, uh, tyranny of the former planters, but anyhow. Um, you know, uh, Phil Magnus likes to call himself a foxite Whig, um, and I think that's that's a pretty good point about how long libertarianism has been around. I in might the have to adopt of... that myself. I've got to be honest. <laughs> yeah, well— You know, it it really does go way back to, say, the Levelers, at least in the English Civil War. They're they're certainly my kin when I read them. Um, But in in America, Benjamin Tucker was able to to take the work of somebody like William Leggett in New York, and then Lysander Spooner. Um, and, you know, stand on them with, with the knowledge that anti-slavery is both uh, possible, it's something that seems inevitable uh, and by his time it was a given principle. I mean Tucker lived through the war and through the actual abolition of slavery uh, but by the time he was writing the most, it was a given um, that America was anti-slavery not only at home but around the globe now
0: too. So, for academics and for uh, people who really care about making sure that uh, libertarian means this, not that. I mean, you know, obviously, abolition is a huge victory. It's a victory for humanity in a in a in a substantial way. But everybody wants to claim that that their their particular forebears had some strong influence on it. So, for people who want to uh, want to clarify or make sure that their their idea of uh, libertarianism is one that is inclusive of ideas that advanced liberty um, and, and, and not one that advances some uh mistreatment of people based on race what do they what do you what do they do
1: well he, i think the biggest problem that
0: I mean, that's a contemporary struggle. Right? Oh, yeah. you can't You can't like whitewash history and just say, well, this happened and this didn't happen. But, but what should they do to clarify? These people, whatever they say they are, they're not. Well, here's the thing. H- history sucks.
1: It really, really does. It's not good. It's not a good story. Uh, hopefully it ends well. But the, the whole beginning part and the middle part and most of the end part is just excruciating for most people. It's complicated, it's messy. We have to recognize that even the libertarian movement, much as we might love to valorize it, has always had its problems. It's, the, the good parts of the package have always had its detractors who adopt the rest of the package and like to call themselves the label. Um, it's always had its problems. The abolitionist libertarians had their enemies, um, and you know, I think that uh, us sort of socially liberal libertarians today feel like there are enemies all over the place, um, but we have to recognize that it's complicated. And For far too long, we've done our history from above. We've thought about libertarian history in the same way that uh, people who praise the state think about their history. <clears throat> Excuse me. For libertarians, history has also been about the great big men doing great big things and writing big books, uh, making important arguments and advancing important ideas uh, when in fact most you know in most cases, people had already had those ideas, and those big, great men are building on something much deeper and more fundamental that people really practice in their daily lives, uh, and you know the people from above so often learn from those below and then take the credit for it. And we act like our history has to either be Abraham Lincoln or the Confederacy. And that is not even close to the kinds of choices that we have. We have to start thinking about our movement for what it really is. It's a bottom-up, spontaneously ordered uh, of – of. Set of you know social movements grouped together by certain ideas. It's a diverse, messy thing that doesn't look clean and clear and crisp on paper uh, it's it's uh it's very, very diverse strands here that uh, historians have to try to tie together. you know this is why we do need to use contemporary terms like libertarian to look back into the past and find well, where did where did this appellation come from, and how did it develop? Um, and we certainly see that libertarians had an awful lot to do with the abolition movement, uh, but they have always had their problems. And you know, we we just have to start recognizing that history is not just about the Thomas Jeffersons, uh, the Abraham Lincolns, or the Jefferson Davises. Ugh. There are are so many more people that uh, have held or contributed to libertarian ideas, and uh, maybe they don't even like us, but they've had something to do with our movement, Um, and it's it's worth broadening our understanding of that history rather than closing it down and shutting it off into the late 20th century.
0: And it's really – but I think it's really difficult for non-historians to uh, refuse the impulse – to look back uh, through history and say, which of my priors does this event agree with? And, and, and well, if it, if it agrees with my priors, then this was a good event. Uh, obviously for libertarians, the abolition of slavery is a huge, uh, wonderful event, but that doesn't bring you to being able to put that sort of rubber stamp on it.
1: Yeah, yeah, I I understand that. I mean, I I think that, you know, say in the last 30 or 40 years, most uh libertarians who write history, uh at least American history, seem to want to they're desperate to find some kind of hero out there uh in the past, especially in a big event like the Civil War where all American history seems to lead up to it and then everything after it seems to have come from it. Um, they want to find some hero there in the Civil War. Uh, and I do think that as a result of 20th century politics, much of which has to do with race, some of which has to do with like a, a crazy kind of visceral anti-communism, um, plenty of libertarians cast about to the Confederacy for their hero because it stood Against supposedly uh, all the things that they thought they were against today, uh, and they thought they they had to find a hero to fight Lincoln's legacy, and so who better than old Jeff Davis? And you know they they completely neglected to look at the real history of the Confederacy—that it was a revolutionary experiment in statism and socialism at that—and um, you know there. People have been so desperate to find heroes in the past that they really don't learn its lessons. Uh, that for the most part, it's a problematic, messy, nasty place, and we really need to learn to do better than the past, not to try to emulate it and find you know nothing but heroes or villains. Um, there's there's so much improvement that we can do because the past has been so terrible. Uh, that it's uh, – to my mind, it's not worth so much our time uh, trying to find the best heroes or the best events uh, that we can claim as part of our legacy. Um, yes, there have always in, – in, like I said earlier, in a certain sense, there always have been libertarians around. This, by the way, is what Albert J. Nock thought. Uh, that in every society everywhere, there must be some remnant of libertarians. Otherwise, society would have destroyed itself long ago. There has to be some right thinking, right doing substrata of people that keeps it all together when the world's going to the dogs um, and those are the libertarians. Now, whether they all understood free trade um, or you know the law of comparative advantage or what marginal utility is, probably not. But um, like like I said, we we should do a broader. We should have a much broader understanding of of what uh, has led up to this set of ideas that we cherish.
0: So, your advice then is find your own place in this history.
1: I don't know. Find your own place. I mean, your own place is right now. You know, that's another thing. Well, that's what that's yeah, what I yeah. mean.
0: Is like understand that you're cre- you're you are, you are helping helping okay. shape history right, right now. Right.
1: Yeah. And uh, it's also not always a good idea to try to do that. I think it's better to learn from history rather than to try to shape it yourself. One thing I learned at least from history is that people who try to shape it always make things worse. Um, they're the conquerors who you know stack up pyramids of skulls. Uh, so maybe that's another thing that libertarians can learn from the history of their movement. Um, whenever libertarians have embraced politics rather than culture, uh, they've helped crowd out their own movement. A success like abolition was claimed by the republicans and Lincoln because they're the ones who actually got it through politically even though for 30 years libertarians and proto-libertarians had been working on it um, and they cast their lot with Lincoln and he took all the credit and their movement disappeared and nobody knows the word loco foco anymore. Benjamin Tucker had to come up with this new term that was out of Europe, libertarian, to describe what people had been doing before.
0: Anthony Comegna is assistant editor for intellectual history at libertarianism.org and host of the Liberty Chronicles podcast. Subscribe to and rate the Cato Daily Podcast at iTunes and Google Play and follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast.